Conversation. The plain talk and fine line walking show that is a radio runway. Give it up for your hosts, the fly guy himself, the captain of cool, Christos. The carelessly confident and effortlessly enthusiastic Ross. We got the man who slows the flow, who keeps it loud and proud, Tom. And as always, the one who's going to tickle your ears, baby, the only one, is Nick. Now settle in for the smoothest, coolest, most entertaining night of your life as we get rolling with this show here at Radio Runway. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I am so... I'm excited to be back. What can I say? I've been preparing. Get a fan. Wow. It's really hot in here now. Woo! Oh, season two! Here we go! Hot off a fresh break. Everyone's feeling energetic, as you can tell. The intro clapping us up with that soothing tones of DJ intro. I gotta say, Nick, you did not look ready for that. I know. I, <laughs> I was ready for the standard intro. Well, that is our new standard intro, isn't it? Now? Yeah, well, I thought it maybe as a once-off, you know, shock the room a little bit. What did you, what did you think? The room. You like it? Oh, I yeah. <laughs> couldn't comprehend it. And Christos, Christos just looks like he didn't... I don't know what Christos was thinking, to be honest. <laughs> well, how are we all going, fellas? It's been... Well, we usually say it's been a long two weeks without the podcast, but it has been a long two months without the podcast, oh hasn't it? Oh, my gosh. It has been a very, very long, long time. Yeah. Literally, yeah. But we have been places, haven't we? Oh, so many places. We've been places. We've flown on many airlines. We've flown on many aircraft. We've flown on many airlines. Christos has flown himself. Yeah, he has actually, hasn't he? Yes. Very excited to hear this story. Yeah, we'll get excited. We'll get round to Christos a bit later, though. How about Tom? You start off with proceedings, man. About what you got up to over the break. Very excited. I am very excited. I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mate, boys, I had the pleasure. Of attending the Paris Air Show. And it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure because uh, realistically speaking, it's one of the few air shows in the world that offers a taste of commercial aviation at a public display. Because it's almost always um, uh, a show of military force, you know? Mm -hmm. I got a first-hand experience alongside the A220, the 737 MAX, the... Uh, the new Riyadh Air 787. Absolutely That fantastic. looks gorgeous. Let's the, be honest. The favourite part of the air show for you was telling us about it and sending us photos about oh, it. it well, so absolutely so flexing. So, I'll, be, so I'll be honest fun. with you. He hasn't actually told us a great deal because we said, let's talk about our experiences on the podcast when we get back, which is now. Obviously, we've seen the photos. I think the photos tell enough of a story. I exactly. get to, I get to um, share it firsthand with the listeners alongside uh, with, with you guys. But look, I saw many things. The, the expo, uh, the actual expo tents were incredible. The C919, Comac pulled out all the stops at their tent. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Um, they had like a friggin' smoke machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to stand with a with a. They had to stand with what looked to be roughly a one to seventy five scale model of the C nine one nine. Yeah, and then it was propped up just high enough that it looked like it was coasting along with clouds, and you could barely see. And the that's stand. what the smoke machine was. The for. smoke machine was to look at like it was a cruising along the clouds. Very clever. Whoa! And Comac were they're actually not just pushing the C nine one nine, but also their competitor to well, not competitor, but they're like you know their seven one seven type aircraft that they have yeah. as well. Yeah, so they, they, they were pushing that as well quite heavily. I saw firsthand the engineering company responsible for the 777X folding wing, and they had a display of the actual folding mechanism, and they had a piece of this wing, and you press a button on the display, and it goes up and down. I'm so jealous oh of you. I literally said to you, though, when you were over there, I said I would literally go to the Paris Air Show just to see the 777X's folding wing. Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. I saw it firsthand. And uh, you know what's funny? The folding wing tip, it looks like a tiny portion of the wing. Mate, it took up half the stand. It took up half the stand. It's huge. It is huge. 
and I, even then, Huge. from from what I hear, well, what I could read, it was a scaled down version of the actual thing. Like it, it's, it is massive. Um, it's huge. Sadly, when I got there for the public display days, um, the Chip Seven X had in fact departed, but the Seven Three Seven Max Ten was there. Oh yeah, I think mm-hmm. I said the Seven Three Seven X about five minutes ago. Just we can a ignore that. <laughs> you know something we don't. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called La Bourgeois. I just wanted to say it. That's right. La Bourgeois Air Show. Because it's at La Bourgeois, which is a brilliant brilliant airport. It's actually now used as an air museum, the main uh, terminal. And I've been to that museum before, walked from end to end on an Air France Concorde. And then at the actual, the doors that are next to the cockpit, you can walk on a little bridge through to the door (coughs) into the cockpit of the British Airways Concord and walked the length of that one, walked the length of that one back and forth. So I, I was very privileged to, to be able to do that the first time around. This time around, they knew they could make a big buck. They were charging 20 euros per visit. Oh and I got, Whoa. yeah, just to go inside the set, the, um, the Concord. Oh, was I, I was going to ask, with the air show, what was the static display layout like? Was it like, you know, Boeing one side, Airbus on another? Like, how did no, it work? No, no, no. Um, it's not set up like your, uh, Model setup. No, okay, you know what? There's order <laughs> in my model cabinet setup. Military one side, commercial the other. Very clear, yeah. crisp, obvious. Air France A220 static display was there. Profit Hunter. Once again, we're familiar with that. We I was going. I was going to ask you: Were there any aircraft at Avalon that were also at the Paris? The Profit Hunter was there. Was the Honeywell 75 there? It was not. Uh, Do you reckon Boeing was able to maximize their displays? Oh, they tried to <laughs> maximize. That's they did. A strike. <laughs> that's a strike. You hear that? That's a strike. Okay, yeah, we're talking about French here. <laughs> they had an A321neo there, XLR neo actually, or maybe it was the ULR. But it had it's the one with the big barcode on the sky. Yeah, the XLR. Yeah. 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 Did yeah, you scan yeah. Did you scan your phone? I did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Great. It was a great piece of marketing. That. No, yeah. it's great. Yeah. What's what about where you watch the aerial display? What was that like? Is it a good layout? Could you see? Was it a bit far back in the runway? Unfortunately, I didn't get to see the aerial display because I had to leave to get on an A220 Air Baltic flight to Zurich yeah. soon after. Just keep flexing. Tested out the A220. <laughs> How's um, that? How's that? Let's Apparently, just... the windows are meant to be like huge for the size of the it, aircraft. Yeah, it was very crazy. Uh, it, it really it felt like a, a no nonsense, straight talking, fuel efficient, uh, incredible piece of engineering. It yeah. wasn't. It, it it was not flashy in any way. Mm-hmm. It maximized the space. Was comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was sturdy. It sort of got the job done. It, there's no nothing that stood out to me as like whoa, this is insane. Like it's such a one up <clears> on <throat> its competitors from a comfort or a, like, like an ergonomic point of view. Obviously, the engine option is incredibly beneficial to those who operate it. The capacity it meets a nice middle ground for most airlines, which is good. It was in a two-aisle one. No, that's wrong. Two-aisle three configuration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, the actual um, cabin crew, like the, the galley phones at each end, don't connect privately. It's over the loud phone. Okay. Yeah. On, so so when when they say down. cabin when they say door secured, they say it over the loudspeaker and they have so, to so they they physically have to talk to each other if they want to say something. Yeah, over the over the you know the speaker where they go, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board. This is your yeah. Point. They use that it to could, clear it could be just their procedures. It could be Air Baltic's procedures. It could mm-hmm. be. It could be because I mean it's quite a basic you know airline. I, I feel with um, departure preparations, each airline has their own procedure. Like if uh, anyone flies Virgin Australia, you'll hear that, that um, just before they take off, there is a chime. Like uh, it'll the seatbelt sign will chime twice, and then they'll say, "Cabin crew, please proceed to take off" as they're yeah. lining up on the runway. Uh, only Virgin Australia does that. Um, Qantas, Jetstar, really? Rex don't do that. Interesting. That I've, I've learned something new. Right that there. is, they've yeah. Probably like, like ten minutes into the podcast. I know. I, I, they've always done this. I remember flying on Virgin back in like 2013, and they were still doing it like that. So listen out for it next time uh, you fly on Virgin as opposed to Jetstar Corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just watch it, watch it on YouTube. Like it's all on there. Like, no, no, no. We got to. We got to fly. We got So look, I think I think the A220 threads a nice needle in terms of capacity to really maximize 
your load factors when it comes to meeting capacity demands on routes because mm. it because it's sort of a middle ground between the seven one seven and the seven three seven. It's it's quite good and um, it it it's quiet. Mm-hmm. It's quiet, you know. Um, and I just have to praise Bombardier or Bombardier. Whatever you prefer. What was the first way you said it? Bombardier. Bombardier. It's how Kobe explains, says it. <laughs> Shout Kobe explains. Yes. Um, because they've, they've put together a really well choreographed aircraft. And um, I think that it's one for the future of the Australian aviation landscape. Definitely. It'll be, it'll be sticking with Qantas for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, just that that's realistically a summary. The Riyadh Air 787 was great. It, but it's obviously just a you know a, a it's promotional, a a promotional yeah. statement piece. Um, uh, oh, they had the A three hundred and fifty XWB there. How can I forget that? Yeah, it was like the airspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the ten abreast. Oh, did you go in? They were letting people in, but the line was down the. The I mean, they said it was a one and a half hour wait in the line. Oh, really? Yeah. To, yeah, but to surely go. to see ten abreast, you would have. Surely, to go I in. love ten abreast. I mean, abreast. Um, but. Please, please yep. sound like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, honestly, I, I, I wish I did. I didn't think I had enough time. I judged that I didn't have enough time. I wanted to see the static displays as well. So I moved uh, from there. I moved on straight to Charles de Gaulle where I boarded a Swiss Air flight that was fully wet leased to Air Baltic on the A220. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, yeah, you already heard me talk, heard about, talk about, about that. So yeah. I just wanted to mention... That the A220 obviously is what is in store for a Qantas Lynx future, mm-hmm. um, out sort of uh, replacing the the 717s for Qantas Link. And I know we mentioned firm orders that have been placed in the news last week. For those of you, I hope you enjoyed our soft launch for season two um, with the with the news, but. We did mention, uh, Nick, obviously, you, you said that there was um, some f- a new firm orders at Qantas for some new wide bodies. Yeah. Um, so now when we put the whole picture together of fleet renewal, we've got regional network renewal in the A220. We've got wide body renewal or completion of wide body renewal mm-hmm. where they can finally phase out the 330s. But I can't help but notice a gaping big black hole in the domestic market with these aging seven three sevens. Yeah, exist. between <laughs> between. That's tricky. As much as I have converted, I still have a <laughs> Yeah, but uh, hey, they're getting old, man. They are getting old. Yeah, exactly. What do you reckon older Qantas than me. is going to do to replace the seven three sevens? Say again. What do you reckon Qantas is going to do to replace the seven three sevens? We're already known to be every twenty one years. How many of them? Oh, it's not a like-for-like replacement. I think they're getting yeah, 2821XLRs. Um, Have they ordered not, that? Or it's honest, like they've that, just... that, that's, a firm, that's a firm order. Oh. Yeah, that's a firm order. But they've got loads of options with Airbus when it comes to <laughs> the narrowbody fleet. Obviously, yeah. um, be interesting to hear what you have to say, Ross, about the, uh, the 737 MAX potentially making a cameo into the Qantas fleet. I was about to say that. I think that with Qantas's domestic order right now, it's not enough to replace their current domestic fleet, especially the 737. No, I think we all agree. I think we all agree. But yeah, yeah. There's, we already know that there is a large backlog in in simulator training for um, A320s, let's say, for example. Do you really reckon Qantas is going to invest in that much time to retrain all of their 737 pilots to become endorsed on the A320 and the A320 Nero series? I reckon since the Qantas pilots are already endorsed on the 737, it would be wiser for Qantas to make an investment into the 737 MAX mm-hmm. since yeah. they're already largely a Boeing endorsed um, fleet. Yeah, no, not much so retraining I, required on that either. Look, even though even though that Qantas haven't ordered them yet and they, they're leaning towards Airbus, I still haven't ruled out them potentially making a 737 order to some extent. That's a really good point. I mean, I heard that for the first time, obviously, before you mentioned it on the podcast and... I genuinely think that could happen. Like with the time, it, the time it'll take for them to retrain all of their pilots to to become A320 endorsed, there is going to be a large bottleneck in terms of replacing their entire fleet like that. I think it's going to be a lot more cost effective for Qantas to retain the 737 yeah, series. As well, as mentioned in the news, with the 787s coming in, Qantas is going to need to hire a lot more second officers now. 
first officer. Second officers already will probably get promoted to first, hopefully. Mm. And the first officers, congratulations for getting into a captain captaincy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that leaves more seats open now. We're going to need more second officers, more first officers. So who's going to go? I c- yeah, you I are, mate. You are. Well, no, that's no, right. <laughs> Look out corners. Look out corners. And I was going to say on that, that's an interesting point because uh, obviously any, any airline that... Uh, is like a sort of cross mixes their fleet across multiple different types of aircraft. There's a chance to jump between type ratings, mm-hmm. and I can imagine that a lot of those wide body for FOs might might their promotion with these wide bodies might line up nicely with a promotion to a narrow body command on board the new type of aircraft at Qantas. Maybe that could be a way that they integrate. Uh, the training element for the A321s is it lines up nicely with a huge chunk of, of young future captains that might well, join. I think lead. whoever's on the, a, the current A330s will have the better chance of going to the A330s. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like for like it's in like a way. A, yeah, pretty much it's obviously there's going to be a new type rating. For, I don't know what the whole process is, but I think it'll be easier going from an A330 to an A321. Than a 787 to an A321. But wouldn't Qantas want to keep their international long haul pilots with, with international long haul aircraft? Because I'm having I'm having a look. Qantas currently have 75 737s in their fleet. Are they really going? I I don't really expect them to retrain 75 aircraft worth of pilots and crew to become A320 endorsed. I still think there will be um, a 737 Max or they haven't. They haven't said it yet, but I still think. Too. I completely forgot. Aren't they getting A350s for the new project Sunrise? A35Ks, yeah. Yeah, no, they just ordered so more. It's part of the order. Ball game. There you go. Yeah, but we've got to be careful here because there are two types of A350s. They're, they're A350-1000s, yes, but there's 12 A350-1000 ULRs and then A350-1000 standard range. Oh, right. Yeah. And that new order, those 12. Yes. Was that was that the ULR or the standard? No, that's the standard. So okay. the ULR was made was it was it a year ago when they mentioned uh, Project Sunrise? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that that's the ULR that that'll come in FY twenty five FY twenty six. That's uh, not far away. That's amazing. No, it isn't. It's two years. But these these large orders that we've just seen for the Dreamliner and the three fifty one thousand non ULR variant will come in from FY twenty seven. Yeah, so I think it's a situation right now of you know watch this space because obviously I agree with you, Ross. They've not done ordering in the uh, for the domestic aircraft. I think they've still got a lot more to go in terms of replacing those seventy five seven three sevens. I don't think they've done as well internationally. Um, they've replaced the three thirties to some extent. They've ordered twenty four aircraft and they've got twenty eight A three thirties. Yes, the aircraft have more capacity, yeah, but the A330s at the moment, they are being absolutely flogged. Literally, if one's delayed, it has a huge backlog. Because I reckon there's no spare A330 at the moment. I reckon they're all that going to use. Yeah. I reckon all A330s are going to use it. There's no back, There's no spare. Whereas with the 380s at the moment, I know that there's going to be one spare when they have 10 back. Yeah. I'll explain a bit later. It's a bit hard to explain on the podcast, but yeah, obviously they mentioned that we're going to go to Johannesburg on the three eighties, uh, Qantas will, and then obviously Melbourne to LAX, Sydney to London via Singapore, Sydney to LAX. Those will be the four three eighty routes, and they'll have one spare in case. What do you I think, think about? You just, I think you just explained it. You did. Yeah. You, <laughs> did. you did. A shout out Hamish uh, as well, an old uni uh, colleague of ours. I had a great conversation with him the other day. Oh, and shout out. Uh, Josh, who's uh, also a a, um, a friend of mine as well, uh, who actually works with Hamish. Um, anyway, point being, I had a great conversation with them the other day about uh, the fact that Qantas are still using that 380 with the old cabin refurb. Yeah, OQL. Yeah. Yeah. You would have thought. Yeah. They'd be saying goodbye to it soon, but apparently not. They need to utilize it now for well, capacity. Well, it's their, it's, their, well, it's their newest delivered 380, so they won't actually be saying goodbye to it. Yeah. It'll, it'll be sent to, oh, Abbey, to Abbey, Abbey Dabby to, oh, of course, of course, Abbey Dabby okay. to be refurbished. Um, but I reckon that'll happen when they start getting maybe another A380 come into service, um, or the next two, because I think they've got eight now in service and two yet to be 
put into service. So eventually they'll have 10 of the 12. So two have been scrapped. We knew that. But eventually, I think by next year, there'll be 10 380s back in service and they'll get phased out from FY32. Wow. Yeah. So another another nine another nine years, but Qantas is going to be interesting. Uh, the fleet of Qantas is going to drastically change over the next ten years, um, I dare say. So watch the space, really. Yeah. Um, be sad, Christoph, to see the seven three sevens eventually say goodbye. He's Airbus now. He's not sad. Oh, uh, look again. Hey, if Ross's uh, theory comes true, there's no reason to be sad. What's his theory? About the same three seven. Oh, Where have well, you been true. for the last ten minutes? <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm sad. I will always have a soft, soft spot for the seven three seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you feel like you're actually flying. Seven three seven. Anyway, seven three seven MG has been definitely one of the most. Like, what did you say? <laughs> yeah. I don't even hear what you said. You just oh. said. I don't even hear what you said. That's a strike. <laughs> definitely one of the most successful um, airliners. Has uh, been produced for sure. Oh, that's you. What the seven three seven? NG, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But I think it's. Uh, I think it's. Time, I, think, I think it's one step too far now. I think. I think they've really got to look at, obviously, reworking their short haul aircraft going because the seven three seven, the, the airframe itself is just far too old now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's had its day. Well, Definitely had its day. As mentioned in the past, in the past episode, what if we think about, and I personally think it will be. A 797 size 737, if that makes sense. So, pretty much, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, the new uh, yeah. body will be just a miniature 787. I think that'll yeah. happen. I think that, look, obviously, that's where they're heading. We'll see when it comes out. What we, if it's A220 sized? Well, there's no direct competition to the A220. It's yeah. sort of in its own. Well, there is, but the M brand is, is not really in the sort of same. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more A220. There's a lot more A220 orders than there are E195, E2s, or E2 jets, if you just want to call it that. Yep. But um, Agreed. I, I, I want to bring it back to the holidays because one of the aircraft that I think has had its day, as well as the 737, is actually the A330. Now, Tom, maybe you can talk um, yes, a little bit Tom. about that because you flew from. You flew from, was it Rome to Denpasar via Shanghai Pudong on a China Eastern, or on two China Eastern A330 200s? Christos, I'm sorry, but they suck, man. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I hate, look, look I, the Neos. The Neos are a fair argument, sure. Some improvement to be made as long as cabin refurbs are made along with it, but. The current state of the A330 on the operating market is woeful, man. It is woeful. China, I flew on China Eastern on an 11 and a half hour flight, backed up and two hours, two and a half hours later with a six and a half hour flight. And on the six and a half hour flight from Pudong, Pudong? Yeah, Pudong. From Pudong to Denpasar, my IFE was broken the entire time <laughs> with the spinning wheel of death. And my phone was flat. <laughs> so I, I think not having, that, a dig at, not having a dig at the airline but it's going to be a very uncomfortable flight or a not pleasant flight if you don't look after your aircraft I can guarantee you Qantas, the state of Qantas's A330s will be much oh, better oh I have, have a story no, about that no, I have no. oh, you, don't, me, don't. you both came with me to Sydney we both had A330 oh, sorry that was a one hour flight that's mate. a one hour flight my okay. the one I was on was refurbished. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. I went Melbourne to Singapore QF thirty five on VHEVA, which is Qantas's oldest A three thirty two hundred. Enterprise. First of all, room. it was domestically configured, which meant that when I sat down, I there was no IFE. They handed out iPads. <laughs> How do you do that on? Possibly the most competitive international route out of Melbourne. That's insane. You oh, oh. speak it's coming from a guy that's never been on a long haul fly. You may <laughs> look out the window. Yeah, famous words. You know what? What? Do you, what do you do if it's night? You still look out the window. Yeah, you got a light on the wing. It's yeah. not that dark. It's not that dark. Yeah, okay. It's, he's going to be playing a game. I, mean, I can't I'm, with him. I can't. I've been plenty of night flights. I'll look out the window. Uh, I have attention passengers. Attention bad. passengers. If you look out the window, you'll see nighttime. 
Daytime! <laughs> Daytime! <laughs> Unless, no, the amount of, or pretty much every flight I've been on, no matter where, Hamilton Island, Sydney, Adelaide, no matter where, I barely looked at the IFE. Well, no <laughs> 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 These guys are rude. I actually agree. That's a bit of a rude comment, to be honest. It's outrageous. I do see where Christos is coming from. I do look out the window for majority of the flight, though. You know what that comes across as? That comes across as stuck up, you know? A bit of, bit of airline nepotism about it, you know? It's like, we've been privileged. Hang on a sec, Tom. You just complained about not having IFE. <laughs> let's, let's back this up here. <laughs> Ah, shit, I did. So, you don't, you don't like the A330 because your IFE doesn't work. Okay, let's move on. Or is that not, your, know, is that not your logic? Well, well, okay, let's let, let, let's move on here because... Hey, Tom, look, look, functionable to me. Functionable to me. Yeah, well, I didn't get any one of that. Yeah, true, actually. I think it's nerve. getting we, a little bit look, out of hand with, here. With all due respect, it sounds like a personal problem. No. <laughs> Alright, well Sorry. let's let's talk about probably your Etihad flight. Oh yeah. You, you flew from, so you flew from Melbourne to Tokyo on a Qantas A330-300, which I will admit, that aircraft has been refurbished, I would happily fly on it. Yeah. I feel as though the economy on that it is very good. Sat next to Nathan Buckley, shout out. Did you actually? I did. Really? Yeah. Was he Was he in... No, sorry, not next to. Um, he would have been on the same... On the aisle. He was on the other side of the aisle for me. He was in Y class, was he? In Y class. Ah, fair enough. One of loving us. it. One of yeah. us. One of us. I want to talk about your Etihad flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You flew J class from. I... Was it. Did you take off from Nerita? Yeah, true. Here's me saying that, oh, you know, you guys are being all privileged and I flew, I flew business class from Nerita to Abu Dhabi. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Must be nice. Nice product. Must underrated nice. product on the 787 with Eddie had. I have to say, it was mm-hmm. actually not bad. It... Did you sit on a forward-facing seat or a backward-facing seat? Forward-facing. Yeah? Same same with the, uh, the fiancé. She got the forward-facing window because I'm that nice of a guy. Oh. So you, you didn't have a choice, didn't you? I didn't have a choice. <laughs> she got given the window, and um, I just got given the middle, and did she's like, "Too bad." Up, did you put up a fight? <laughs> no, I didn't. He's a simp. Did you put up? A no. Fight? When I would look out the window, I just sat it on her lap. Did you get? Did you at least get like the uh, the, the tail cams so you could like see the takeoff through the? Through yeah, the I gave yeah, her yeah. my I gave her my phone, and she recorded. No, it. no, I meant like you know you know how on airlines they have a tail cam so you can actually see on the. IP, oh yeah. No, it wasn't working on the seven eight seven. The whole flight. Can really? you name me one flight you've gone on in the past month where the IFE has actually worked? Oh, they worked that <laughs> flight. They worked that flight. It actually also did work the seven, the triple seven flight to Charles de Gaulle. So, yeah. how was the triple seven? It was okay. I was in an extended leg room seat right outside the um the not the regalley but the one just the just back from that. Yeah, yeah, there's two mid, so it's sort of like yeah. Look, is the mid galley of Y class. Cause yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, I went to sleep, and at one point, I woke up, and there was an elderly Arab gentleman on the sleep in the fetal position in front of me. So it was an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised the camera crew didn't pull him up and say. Well, they ev- they did it. eventually, but it was about it was about thirty five minutes, forty minutes after okay. I woke up. I don't know how off how long he was asleep there beforehand, but it might have been at a point where cabin crew were. In rest, or they were you know chatting in the rig galley, something like that. But yeah, because what happens is they just go in the galley, they just close the curtains, and they just do their yeah. own thing. You know, passengers want something as you go in. Shout yeah. out, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, we got to get him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's are we me. Missing, are we missing any flights from you? Uh, no, Jetstar, Denpasar to Melbourne. Yep, shout out uh, the, the, the wonderful Jetstar. Tech, so yeah, how, how was the Neo on the six hour flight? Yeah, it was it was it was really good. I can't knock it. I don't care if there was no star class. It was it was comfortable. Um, everyone behaved themselves. The cabin crew were lovely, mm-hmm. um, and I just yeah, I had a wonderful time. It was good. All right, yeah. just to finish off then quickly, we have a six hour. I'm giving you an option: six hour flight. You either get an A330 or an A321 Neo. What are you picking? Oh, I just have to think about this. I have to think about it on the spot. Keeping my IFE working on both flights. IFE working on both flights. A330. IFE that were the same on both flights, actually. A330 because I'm just a sucker for the wide bodies. Aha! 
So everything you said before was a lie. <laughs> Why are you Call admitting that. to Christos being correct? Well, uh, thank you. I can sleep good tonight. Sometimes you've got to admit the hard truths. And also, um, no, that wasn't my last flight. I also jumped on a Ryanair flight from Bari to Roma de Bar- No, Roma for Machino. Well, we well, well, tell us about Ryanair. Is it as bad as people say it was? Absolutely not, except it was cheering when they touched out. But it was... <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Ryanair. The captain looked real young. He looked like our age. Well, sorry, your guy's age. So I get it. I'm all right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. If the captain looked like your age, mate, that'd be freaking issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be the American captain market. <laughs> <laughs> that's a roast on yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, literally. Well, no, so that's me. That's really good. Well, let's move on to you, Ross. You went on a few flights. Um, yeah. So when we when we went to Europe with my family, we booked. Um, we flew with Emirates on the way from Melbourne to Rome. Mm-hmm. Then we flew um, into Europe. We flew Air France from Palermo to Paris, Charles de Gaulle. Ooh, I've never been Air France. And then um, on the way home, we flew Singapore Airlines from Heathrow to Melbourne. That was a pleasant flight, wasn't it? I'll tell you about that in a second. <laughs> so when I when I went, when we booked all those flights and we were about to go, I set up um, a cate- um, a table on my phone so I could rank all of. Um, so I could really compare both Singapore Airlines and Emirates based on uh, specific criteria. So um, I've got in front of me, um, I've, I rated both aircraft, both airlines on seat comfort, in-flight entertainment, food quality, crew and overall service, cleanliness of the plane, accessories provided, initial impression and my overall verdict over which plane I would like to go on and which airline I would choose over both of them. And I tried to get my family involved as well. I wanted to say after both after we do this trip, which airline would you want to fly on next time we go to Europe? And there was mm-hmm. a bit of mixed responses from all of them, so it was pretty close. Oh, okay. Well, let's get into it. So, just for context, um, both flights on Emirates were on an A380. Mm-hmm. So, we'll start off with that. So, seat comfort on the first... So, on the first flight from Melbourne to Dubai... That was a refurbished one. It was a refurbished yep. plane compared to the second flight. So, my so the aesthetics of the flight... And my initial impression of flying Emirates on my first flight was much higher than that on my second flight, where it was definitely um, the older IFE, the older um, seat configuration. And when I got up after after I landed in Rome, I looked at my seat and like the seat cover had sort of fallen off. So I was just looking at an exposed seat. So it was definitely like one of their older planes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will admit the food was much nicer on Emirates on their second flight. Oh, okay. From Dubai to Rome. It might have been Dubai catering. Actually, I was I was speaking to uh, an Emirates flight attendant on from Dubai to Melbourne, and I was saying, oh, the catering in Dubai must be top notch. Like it must be the best throughout the entire network. And she's like, no, it actually isn't. The food out of Australia is better than it is out of Dubai, which is interesting because usually catering is the best at your home airport. Is it not? It might have just been the meals that we had. I can't remember. It was something. Yeah, right. Chicken. Um, some chicken. I can't even remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, overall, my verdict for Emirates was in seat comfort. I rated that a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, the first flight was much more comfortable than the second. In flight entertainment, I couldn't fault it. I had to give it a ten. Um, yeah. Like their flight, the, even though it was older on their second flight, the range that they had is exactly the same. It's amazing. Yeah. And when you go on your in-flight, the in-flight camera, where you can look at you know the plane, there's like a on the A380, there's a camera on the top of the tail that overlooks the plane. Um, not only that, but you could get like a captain's view, so it'd come up with like a heads-up display and come up with like a compass heading, your altitude, your speed, and everything. So it was pretty cool. I love looking at all that in real time as well. So for that, I had to give Emirates a ten for in-flight entertainment. Food quality overall, I rated them a seven. Um, overall service, um, rated them a nine. Uh, cleanliness of the aircraft, seven, because again, the second plane wasn't as good. And then accessories, initial impression, were both an eight. So overall verdict for Emirates, I would give an eight out of 10. So- That's pretty good. I, I, That's I, not bad. I, both flights were two different experiences, so I just made an average of both of them. And overall, I couldn't fly. I couldn't fault Emirates. I'd happily fly them again. So that was um, my two. Impre- that was my impressions on both of my Emirates flights. Compared that to Singapore, mm-hmm. seat comfort. Oh boy. Now I'd just like to clarify that I started to get sick in London a few days before 
I flew back home to Melbourne, in which I lost my voice completely, much to Nick's delight. How, oh, mate? So yeah, I you would have been talking all day with that. Like I wasn't there. Yeah. On top of that, after going on to on those two flights home on an A380 from Heathrow to Singapore, then an A350 to Melbourne on an A350, I my ears burst really bad on those flights. On the first one, it burst, didn't it? It burst on the first one, and yeah, it, uh, my ear was just ringing on my second flight. So, look, <laughs> I doesn't sound. 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 Well done. Well look, despite those two flights being the being probably the two most painful flights I've ever been on so far, I say so far, I'm probably going to. He's stuck one. it up for you, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Oh, okay. He's stuck it up for you. I still wanted to give an honest verdict and rate the airline over its product and make a comparison to Emirates. I respect that. So, yeah, in terms yeah. of seat comfort, I don't know if it was the medication I was on, if it was strong Panadol, but I fell asleep very quickly on Singapore Airlines. So, for that, I'm going to have to rate their seat comfort an eight, which Ooh. beats Emirates a seven. Yeah. Uh, in flight entertainment, um, with my expectations I had on Emirates, Singapore just wasn't as good. Um, just in terms of the in-flight entertainment. Still had plenty of options, but after flying Emirates and expecting that, it didn't beat it. So for that, I rate Singapore Airlines IFB a 7. Mm-hmm. Food quality, um, probably the best airline food I've had consistently on both flights, from right. uh, London, London to Singapore and Singapore to Melbourne. So for that, I rate it a 9. Would you would you rate the best Emirates meal higher... No, sorry, would you rate the best Singapore airline meal higher than the best Emirates meal, though? Yes. Okay. But, like, both... See, on Emirates, it was just your standard in-flight meal on your first flight. And then on the second flight, I was like, oh, yeah, this is much nicer than the first flight. Whereas when I flew Singapore Airlines, I had the meal. I'm like, oh, my God, I would expect this at an actual shop, not yeah. being served to me on a plane. Yeah. Let alone, um, actually, I'll get to that in a second. Um, Here we and, go. Crew and overall service. Um, I think I pissed off the, fl- the cabin crew quite a lot in my Singapore Airlines flights. Um, I don't know if it was just... you were sick or... No, no, no. I just kept asking for water, for a cup of water. But like... Okay. Every half an hour or so. So on a 12 hour flight, I probably, probably 20 times, I, I, I kept buzzing the flight attendant asking for water, mm-hmm. but I couldn't talk. So I had to pretend I was deaf and say, water. water. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't talk. I had absolutely no voice at all. So I had to like mime water and I really think I just ticked why off the flight just, attendant. Why didn't you just write it on your phone? You should have learned sign language. language. I, I, I did Commit for, to the bit. I did for the last 10 times I did it. You know, but I was scared to do proper sign language because if they started signing back to me, I would have been screwed. I don't know if it was uh, if I felt bad or I was just getting attitude from them. So I, I rate their um, their service a seven overall. What was Emirates as well? Nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do a recap on who beats what. Yeah. Well done, um, Carlos. Clean, cleanliness of the aircraft. <laughs> Go, Carlos. <laughs> Clean, cleanliness of the aircraft. Um, Singapore Airlines was both consistently good on both planes even though two different types of aircraft Singapore Airlines definitely beats Emirates in cleanliness so for that I rated them a 10 yeah. um, accessories provided so when I say accessories I mean you know quality of like the food trays care packs toothbrushes eye masks pressure socks headphones and even just like the cutlery like that was shiny on Singapore Airlines as not whereas it looked a bit, a bit older on the Emirates aircraft so mm-hmm. for that um, I rated them a nine, and initial impression, I rated Singapore Airlines a nine as well. Which, so just to recap, seat comfort, Singapore Airlines wins. Inflated entertainment, Emirates wins. Food quality, Singapore wins. Uh, crew and overall service, Emirates wins. Shout out, Carlos. Yeah, shout out, Carlos. But then yeah. cleanliness of the aircraft, accessories, and initial impression, Singapore all won. So for that, I'd have to. I personally think Singapore Airlines has a better product than Emirates, and would love to fly them in the future. Um, fair call, fair call. And the rest I respect of, that. And I feel the rest of my family were divided on this as well. Mum and Dad probably liked Emirates better. What about Bella? Uh, Bella was divided. She liked the IFE on Emirates better, but the food on Singapore Airlines she was really shocked by. I do, I do so agree. With she that. she was either or, but I think for the IFE was probably one higher on her priority list. So that's why she said Emirates as well. But it was really close, sort of a competition there yeah. between both of those. Um, both of those airlines, both amazing airlines, would happily fly either one of them again. Um, probably the one thing that really annoyed me most about flying into Emirates, when you so Dubai Airport has three concourses, A, B, and C. Yeah. Now the 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 beautiful photos of Dubai Airport that you see on TV are concourses A and B. Concourse C is probably the unrenovated, un unspoken of, unshown 
not what you see on TV. All the scenes you see in old. Have a guess which concourse I landed in. How many what? Have a guess which concourse I landed in. Well, we know. We don't need a guess. Yeah, concourse C. So for that, I look. Dubai Airport was a letdown from what I saw, but I would, I'm willing to give it another shot. Yeah, well, I flew through Dubai twice. Obviously, you go to Europe and then you come home from Europe, and that was both in Concourse A. So I was pretty happy with that. Like, yeah, you take that. You, you take what you can you. get. Yeah. Take what you can get. I have to say, it just shows how tight the race is to be the best airline or be, have it, the best it re- product. It really is. It really is. Our Singapore Airlines, like, I'm obviously lucky enough to have flown both airlines before um i do agree um that food on singapore airlines is good actually i would rate service on singapore airlines the highest out of all those categories just based off my own experience um at the start of the year i flew premium economy uh from melbourne singapore and back and my goodness the service on that flight was insane without without fault every 30 minutes they would be coming around with drinks snacks etc and if you're awake they just give you everything. Like, I remember asking, I think he was the cabin manager, actually. I asked him, like, I'm a bit hungry. I want something to eat. And he came around with, like, muesli bars, muffins, bits of bread, bits of fruit. And I was like, oh, I'll just have the muesli bar. Oh. And he was like, no, have it all. I was like, oh, what? He's like, yeah, just have it all. No way. Straight up, yeah. Man, uh, the, the Yeah, honestly, the Singapore Airlines <laughs> service is, is top-notch. And I would agree that their IFE... It's good, but it's the it's the worst thing about them. I'd say is the IFE. That's look, the biggest letdown. Look, this is just from my own personal experience from those two flights. I was asleep for the majority of the first flight, so I didn't see much of the service that they could provide. Mm-hmm. And on the second flight, there was a lot of turbulence, so we were actually the seatbelt sign was on for the first four hours of the flight. So I, I remember on my second flight, they didn't start the in-flight service until considerably halfway in. Like flying from Singapore to Melbourne, they really didn't start the service until we were well and truly over Australia at that point. Mm-hmm. And obviously, um, to get a full idea of how the airline, uh, what the airline offers, you'll need to get a proper data set. You'll need more, um, let me say, more data entries, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I will yeah. need to fly both of those airlines again to give another verdict on what. Oh, I, but, shame. Get up to fly them again. No, 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 no. But oh, that's good from, from, from initial impressions. Price. That is what I yeah. perceive both airlines to be like. It's a good comparison. I wrote it. No. And finally, we have Air France. Actually, before we get to Air France, oh, yeah. though, I, I have a question. Yes. What did you enjoy flying more? Keep going. Well, what did you enjoy? The A350 or the A380? What, what's a better fly, what provides a better flying experience? The A350 was very new to me, so yes. I, was, I was really, um, really excited to try out um, flying on a new aircraft. And just visually appealing... I found the A350 much more nicer than the A380, but in terms of comfort, I don't think anything can top the A380. That is no, I, I, a, a, that is a that. plane built for comfort. Yeah, I, and, I agree with that. But I will say, as beautiful as the A350 was, probably the nicest part of the flight was we're just about landing to, landing into Melbourne. We're, uh, we were on final, and we landed in Melbourne at about five th- 6 o'clock in the morning, so the sun was just starting to rise. And it was probably one of the most scenic approaches I've ever done. So have a look at that photo. That was wow. the arrival into Melbourne over the CBD. How beautiful does that look, guys? That is wow. nice. Wow. Probably one of the most scenic approaches into Melbourne. So naturally, I'd want to video the landing. So what, wait, what runway did you use? Did you use 3-4? Yeah, okay. So we came around from the north yeah. and we landed um, on the south. And because I was sitting on the right side of the plane, you could see Melbourne City and the sunrise uh, coming up over the hill. Now... I wanted to video the landing because it was so good, and I did. And right at that moment, for the last five minutes of the flight, from when I started filming until we touched down and got to the gate, the two six-year-olds in front of me decided to have the biggest meltdown I've ever heard on a plane. So I'm just going to play a little snippet of what my final approach video sounds like. Well, those Trend XWB sound a bit weird. Oh, goodness. That's an so, updated Trend XWB sound yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that was my experience on Singapore Airlines. Yeah. Um, and Air France, look, I'll be honest. 319. 319, yeah, let's put it out there. It was an A319 yeah. from Palermo to Paris. Um, about, two, about a two-hour flight. I'll be honest. I wasn't expecting much on Air France. 
What is that hand signal, Tom? Well, yeah, you weren't expecting much. Yes. Oh, thank you. Soundbite. 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 Alright, so, 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 well, my, I wasn't expecting much because Palermo, Airmo- Palermo Airport is probably the biggest debauchery of an airport I've ever flown to. <laughs> really? Be- beating Rome in 2015. So... Oh, well done, Rome. So, yeah. Wow. R- Rome has actually improved a lot. When we landed there um, from uh, from Emirates, it was a brand new terminal, um, just a seamless um, ex- um, transition through customs mm-hmm. to get your bags and out off you go. Like, maybe 10 minutes max from when we walked out of the plane... Um, into the terminal to collecting bags and being in the car L- less than 10 minutes like really? we, we walked straight through everything customs yeah. was quick like I was shocked I wasn't expecting that for Rome Palermo on the other hand is so behind so to, when we got to Palermo airport you get so when you arrive when you get dropped off you're at the check-in level so we looked at our ticket on the screens and saying okay check-in desk number 35 so it's like a long hallway so we're looking okay we're at 15 here so we're walking to the end 16 17 19 and it stops at 20 and we're like where does it go and then we saw a sign saying oh desks uh 21 to 21 to 40 back the other way so we started walking back down again so we get to five four three two one then it goes um then it goes 29, 28, 27, 26. <laughs> <laughs> what? So we walk, so it goes 29, 28, 27, all the way to 21. I'm like, well, where's checking desk 35 where we are? And then we're having a look, we can't find anyone. And then um, we, we asked one of the airport personnel and they go, oh, look at the sign. It tells you where to go. So we had to go downstairs to the baggage claim area. And we're looking at the signs of where the ch- this checking desk is, but we couldn't find it because it's saying it's all the arrival screens now saying which carousel to go to. Yeah. And we walk all the way to the end of the hallway, and that's when we see, oh, checking desk 26, 27, 28, 29. So already we've had to go downstairs through baggage claim. We're, we're, we've got all, we've got five check luggages here because my family doesn't travel lightly. So we've got five check luggages wheeling through this Walks terminal. Yeah. Wheeling through this terminal, which is completely packed, by the way. No organization whatsoever. Yeah. So we get to... Just our- like the luggage you talk about. Yeah. Completely packed and no organisation whatsoever. Yeah. I, 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 I can I can attest to that. I've seen his luggage at, at, when I when I spent two nights. You've seen hotel. Rocket Ross's luggage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was neat. Uh, play the intro again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't neat, but go on. Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what five weeks in Europe does to you. Anyway, so that could be oh, still taken so out of context. So unkept. That's what five weeks in Europe does to you. Ross, this is an aviation podcast. Uh, this this is Italy. We're not meant to be organised. Anyway. Sponsored by Manscaped. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, we're never going to finish this, aren't we? Ross, put so, your hands back on. All right, chopped up. Let's finish. Okay. Right. Palermo, Palermo. Why are you looking, Christos? Anyway, all right. So we've checked. We've checked in. We've dropped our bags, and then we go. Okay, where's security? And they go. Oh, you need to go back upstairs to the regular level and follow the sign. So we go back upstairs to this, up to back to the main level, ground level, and then we're looking. Then we see a sign saying, "Oh, special security this way." And we're thinking, "Special security? Why is it called that?" So we get there, we try to go in, they go, oh, no, 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 this is for executives only. You need to go upstairs again. <laughs> so we go back all the way to, all this, all the staircases right at the end of the hallway. So we yeah. have to go back, like, 200 metres to the end of the hallway, upstairs again. And we have to do this weird S-shaped hallway through security. So we've gone through, and they're like, okay, what gate are we at? So we look at our boarding pass, and they're like, oh, gate 15. And we, we, look, at the, we look at the gates and go, oh, okay, gates 1, 2, 3, 4, 72. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we go one, two, three, four. Where's gate five and above? Yeah. So we're like, where's that gate five? I can't find it anywhere. Like the terminal's packed at this point. Yeah. Like you couldn't see the floor at all. It was it was so packed. So we're trying to look at all these signs where the gate is. At this point, it's getting up to boarding time. So we think, what is going on here? So we we found someone else. Oh, where is where is gate fifteen or wherever it was that we're going to? And they go, oh, you need to go back downstairs. So we have to go. So we go back down these escalators. Then we go downstairs again. So we've gone like we're pretty much underground now. So it's fifteen gates, but five per floor. So that that's how. They, and they're all like on top of each other. What? So the jet. Yeah. So the jet bridges kind of all go down, and then they line up with each other yeah. again. I didn't realize that. Um, 
It yeah, was, aircraft gates were a stackable item. Yeah. There you go. I, I, <laughs> I was shocked. So we're on the very bottom. We're on the ground floor. Yeah. We're pretty much underneath, and we actually had to walk up a ramp to get to tarmac level. So we're like underground at this point. Mm-hmm. And then we had to get a bus, um, a shuttle bus, across the tarmac to the plane. It'd be it'd be so funny if you turned around and said, "Oh yeah," and the actual aircraft pads were stacked as well. One aircraft <laughs> in massive structure, and then another <laughs> aircraft. Yeah, space is too like one of those car stackers that you have in the apartment. To the plane! Yeah, literally. It's the future of aviation. Yeah, so, exactly. so, yeah, so the plane was actually hoisted onto a crane and we had to get a forklift up there to get on. Anyway, so we get to Nobody's the plane. We get, we get to the plane and I'm already I'm thinking, what what the hell is this? Like, I was, my, expected, my expectations were so low for Air France already and I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. So we got, we got onto the plane. I mean, you were in the basement, so. And eight yeah. Years, an A319 on a two-hour flight. I honestly wasn't expecting much, and yeah. it was it was relatively empty. Was, the flight was maybe half full. Yeah, you guys had like an entire row to yourselves, didn't you? So like, after we after we took off, ten minutes in, um, like we all spread out. So me, mum, dad, and my sister all had a row to ourselves, mm. all like spread across the plane. So it was really good. The in-flight service, there was really nothing spectacular about that. I was given a, a ham sandwich with butter. That was delicious. Oh, it delicious. It it look it was vile. It looked it looked vile. I don't know why I tasted it. It was even worse. Um, so I I thought yeah, mm. like the butter looked like it would, it was curdled and everything. So I'm like yeah okay I'm done with that. And mm. I'll be honest, there was nothing overall. There was nothing overall in that flight that amazed me with Air France aside from the fact that when we landed at Charles de Gaulle, uh, there was a Concorde um, right next to the plane as we were taxiing to the gate. Yeah, so cool. So we saw the static Concorde display, which was quite nice. But oh, nice. That was probably the only interesting thing that happened on that flight. Yeah. And that's all of my flight experiences. Wow. So you got to compare two amazing uh, high-class airlines. And Air France. Yeah, and Air France. <laughs> you got to go through the chaos of Palermo. And if wow. I had to... if it, Why can't you? Oh, okay. Oh, Sorry, yeah. it'll get cut. Yeah, no way. No. One thing about Air France is, given their culture and their people, there's a no way the uh, no smoking signs ever illuminated. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, what a shame! The smoke detectors don't work. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You know, I bet that's what happens, right? Because they uh, probably do the safety briefing in English and then French. So the English version, and then it comes on as French. is like, ha, 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 ha. Wee, wee, wee. Wee, wee, wee. That's pretty much how they spoke. Yeah, that's how they spoke. And also, am I correct in saying, seeing as you're really not a fan of the ham sandwich, more of a Frankfurt kind of guy? (laughs) (laughs) Zing. (laughs) Got it. Got him. (laughs) So bad. Well, that's it for part one. We recorded such a lengthy episode this time. We're going to split it into two. Part two next week with Nick and Christos detailing their wonderful period over the holiday break. And we'll join you next Monday for part two. Thanks very much, guys.